Happy Friday, everybody. It's Jeff Cross, your host with Friends with Employee Benefits. Uh, great Friday episode here. If you're looking for inspiration on how to go deeper on culture, culture, probably a little bit of an overused word these days. And a lot of times we get stuck in, uh, we just need to throw some beer in the fridge and maybe put a foosball table out. We've got a great culture uh, and it's not enough. And so we had a conversation with Maureen Gallo from the Beakley Corporation. Maureen's an executive vice president there. And you're going to love this conversation. It is rich with ideas and inspiration for how to drive a culture that drives engagement. You've got to be thinking about what am I trying to do with culture here? Ultimately, you should be trying to get your employees engaged and committed to the mission of the organization. And, uh, and you're going to get a lot of great ideas here. So uh, sit back, relax, have a coffee, maybe a Bloody Mary, whatever you want to do, and uh, take a listen, and then have a great weekend. Well, Maureen, before we start, can you just take a minute and explain, um, you know, who is you know who is Beakley and what do you do there at Beakley? All right. Well, Beakley Corporation is a great small company located in Bristol, Connecticut, and it's been in business since 1934. Uh, certainly has evolved over the years. Um, started out as a small printing company and uh, evolved into a medical manufacturing company with also still a printing side. We have a small custom products division. So um, people always say, you know, how does that fit into Beakley Medical? Well, it's all paper and adhesives and cohesives and over time, um, back in the day when, you know, computer technology was taking hold, we had hospital charting sheets that were going to be retired, so to speak, and that was how the custom products division was born. Hmm. And we sell uh, to the hospitality industry uh, customized tagging systems. So very unrelated businesses, but there's a lot of uh, crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, and my role is right now, I'm the executive vice president, and I just celebrated 20 years with Beakley in November wow. of 2020. So Congratulations. It's been an, thank you. It's been an amazing journey. Um, and when I came to Beakley, I'd come from a seven-year career, and I was an HR manager for another manufacturing company. And I came to Beakley thinking I wanted to be a specialist. I thought, well, won't that be fun? I, I Instead of trying to do it all, and I came as the recruiting manager. But also with in mind, at some point, Beakley would need an HR manager because at that time, they did not have an HR manager or department. And I said, well, at some point, you'll need one. I'll be ready. But for now, this sounds like an awesome idea. Yeah, for a hot minute. Because after about six months, I thought, what was I thinking? <laughs> I'm not meant to be a specialist. I need to be a generalist. So it wasn't long before I took on that more generalist role and um, and uh, have held several roles along the journey, HR, you know, director of HR. And then one day I said, you know, if that operations role ever comes available, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring if it ever comes up. And it did. So I took on operations, which includes manufacturing, uh, engineering, uh, the facility, we built a new building. Um, I was part of that project and loved every minute of that. After mm-hmm. that, I said, now what will I do? I had so much fun um, building the new building. But um, so there's been a lot under that umbrella. And then, of course, I've grown into more of an executive leadership role. But I still wear all those other hats. Um, sure. So my days are full and um, always having fun, I have to say. I never thought, you know, I, we have a running joke between myself and my boss. I said, oh, I'll probably be here, you know, five or so years to have done everything I came to do and I'll, you know, be moving on. And we laughed because when I got to 10 years, I said, well, you know, I guess you're stuck with me now. Uh-huh. And here we are, t- year 21 in the making. So yeah. um, 
And a lot of that has to do with the nature of Beatley as a company, um, you know, or an organization that values uh, contribution and continuous learning. And that's probably, I say, I've got my MBA at Beakley, you know, spent a lot of time uh, learning and growing just on the job and it's been fantastic. So that's been one of the things that has really driven me uh, through all these years. It's, it's every day is a new day. You're here because we happen to know that Beakley is a, a unique company and, um, and you put a lot of effort into creating a, an environment where people can thrive. And that's why we wanted to chat with you, Maureen. But, you know, having chatted with you already a little bit, I, I, it led me to this question. So I'm just going to ask it. And mm -hmm. it's this. Um, do you think that the, the traditional concept of human resources and the traditional human resource department, is that going to go by the wayside? Well, I don't know about that, Jeff, but what I would say is Beakley is unique. And when I came to them, um, it's a decentralized human resources function. And what that means is there's a lot of people involved. Um, coaches, that's the supervisors or leaders, we call them coaches, um, who to me are better equipped in a lot of ways because they're closest to the people. Um, so they're tasked with a lot of what traditionally HR would handle, um, and they have the, the close relationships. So a lot of the little things that come up, you know, usually come up with, you know, how I'm doing in my role or how I'm working with my teammates or, you know, something going on in the organization, people can start first with their coaches, um, who again, they have these more intimate relationships with, um, and HR isn't really I always called it problem central, you know, where I came from. It yeah. was, you know, HR had to do it all and you did it on an island and it generally was problem central. And I came and I was like, oh, this is so much better because I get to play a very different role in HR and that, again, it's not problem central. And so we have more time to be proactive and more strategic. So for anyone who hasn't tried it, I'd suggest they give it a try. It's a, it's a different feeling at first and you feel like, you know, in the traditional sense, you might feel you're losing control. Um, and so, you know, you have to find the balance, but really I think being decentralized has a lot of benefits. Yeah, it would, and does that require that you're training your your coaches Absolutely, differently? absolutely. Well, again, they are, um, training is ongoing at Beakley. Again, as I mentioned, we're a continuous learning organization, so it never really ends. But definitely you have to train and equip them um, to handle the people issues, if yeah. you will, that come up. Um, and if it goes beyond them, again, that's where HR is available to support them or to just be lend an ear, um, you know, bounce things off of that yeah. kind of thing. But unless it escalates, you know, if it's a true problem, you know, it generally doesn't come to HR, mm. um, which is which is neat. So, yes, training is yeah. a, a definite. And, um, you know, we have a variety of tools and leadership development. Um, there's so much um, that we put into that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked quite a bit about company or corporate or organizational culture on this podcast. And I, I have to be honest, for me, it's starting to lose its luster a little bit. So, you know, typically you get into the conversation about culture and people people talk about, you know, they've got a, you know, a, a keg in the kitchen and a pool table or a foosball and they have a lot of happy hours. And, you know, and I just kind of feel like we have to take the conversation about culture a little bit more, a little deeper uh, for it to have any relevance. What, what are your thoughts on that? I agree. The things you just mentioned, first thing to come, coming to mind for me is that feels a little superficial. Um, and don't get me wrong, 
we have a work hard, play hard philosophy. So certainly we all have jobs to do and there's a lot that we do to support the uh, objectives and the growth of the organization. But on the flip side, sure, we like to have uh, a lot of fun in fact, and we make time for that. Um, but that's only one facet of the culture. Um, and that's one of the things that really drew me to Beakley. Actually, I said, oh my gosh, this company has it really, has it going on, you know, has a mm -hmm. lot going for it. And that they figured out that, you know, putting people first is extremely important. And, and what do you do to make sure that you keep those people engaged um, and learning and growing, i.e. then they contribute more and they have more to give. Um, and it's more than just the job, you know, so that's, um, and it's all, it's all intricately entwined, you know, so for me, I often say it starts with the hiring, um, you know, finding people who align with it's the values for me culture equals values it's our value system um, and we value communication um, doing everything and anything we can to really uh, provide what we say world-class customer care um, people know you know everyone knows at Beakley we put our customers first um, but we're a people-centric organization so we we also put our people first our associates first in a lot of what we do um, and how we respond to things. So um, again, culture is, I don't know, I feel it's, a, it's our secret sauce at Beakley, if you will, mm -hmm. um, because I can hire people with skills all day long, Jeff, you know, to come in and do the job, whatever yeah. the job is. Um, but for us, that's really not enough. We really need people that can embrace what's important to Beakley, what we've, um, you know, developed, um, as a company culture. Yeah. And then, you know, if that happens naturally, if you naturally align with those values, you know, I would say it's a match made in heaven. Oh, you love the company and the job. And it's funny because we've been challenged in that people say, oh, I love Beakley, you know, from what they read about us. And we have to be careful that we don't get people that just love the company, but may not really love their role. You know, it has to be both. Yeah. Um, so sometimes we have to downplay the company culture a little bit in the hiring process and make sure we're really finding a good match with the requirements of the job. But on the flip side, we want you to say, wow, this is awesome and I can contribute here. And um, it's funny because we're currently our executive team, which by the way, we call ourselves Eagle. We have an acronym. I think we mentioned this yeah. when we talked yeah. and that's uh, the executive action group leading everyone. And we're res we do resources throughout the organization. That's how we continuously learn and grow. Um, but I happen to have one come my way and it was called the culture check interestingly enough. And I said, oh, there were so many good elements in here. A lot of it, you know, today's hot topics. Um, but this was, uh, this report, if you will, was compiled before the pandemic and the crisis that we've just gotten through in 2020, which is nice because it wasn't really tied to that. Um, but they hit on things like inclusion and engagement and recognition. Um, and, you know, we look at ourselves and on one hand I say, oh, I'm, I'm, it's, it's reaffirming that we already do a lot of these things. Um, but again, we're always looking at what can we do better, different, more of, less of, and going through this culture report, if you will, this culture check mm -hmm. um, has definitely, you know, we have actions that we're gonna take from that to, you know, continue to strengthen the Beakley culture. So mm -hmm. it's um, it's always a work in process. Yeah, it's fluid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it seems to me that you, you have to really define what is it that you want to accomplish with your culture, right? It's, it, you, well, it gives purpose, right? It right. really brings purpose to what you do every day besides just, just the work. Yeah. The work, I think, can become mundane. 
Yes. Um, it's how do you keep it engaged and interested and feeling like, I would say you feel like you're part of something bigger because of the culture. Um, you're not just coming in head down, doing the job eight to five and off you go. Um, and that's every role at Beakley. You know, we work hard to have everyone engaged. You know, I think of my manufacturing team. You know, I want them to be as uh, uh, knowledgeable about what we're doing on the sales side or the marketing side of things, you know, so that again, we're, I always say we're all in this together. Everyone has a role to play, but in the end, it all comes together to serve our customers and to achieve the objectives um, that we set for ourselves. You've mentioned, you've said the word engagement at least three times. <laughs> Um, and to me, that that's really the end. I think most, most culture initiatives really aren't they driving to try to get that engagement. So how do you do that? What, what are some of the things you do at Beakley Corporation to keep people, to get people and keep people engaged? Well, again, coming to mind first off is continuous learning. Um, again, mm -hmm. we have resource-driven, um, cross-functional learning groups that come together every year over a resource. Um, and the learning, it's funny, my director of continuous learning, it, it doesn't always come from the resource, it comes from the group interaction. I'm sorry, did you say you have a director of continuous learning? And leadership development, yes. Uh -huh. yeah. Yes, so her, her role is to drive that continuous learning piece on so many levels. Um, as I said, but I love it when she says it's not the resource. The resource is a catalyst for the conversation, but the learning comes from one another in the group, um, from different experiences or what you can take from this resource and bring to your team or or the people on your team. So it's a, again, it's an evolutionary process, um, but a lot of it's prompted from continuous learning. So I think that's a big part of engagement because we're all connecting on various levels. And then when I think of the operational side of things, and you know, as I mentioned, operational excellence, it's, it's a real driver for me because um, yes, it's people first, but also, you know, we live in processes, right? And every time we are in a process, we always wanna look at, you know, things don't always run smoothly, right? So now you take a step back and you say, let's look at this process. Let's bring all the people around that might have a role to play in this process. Um, so versus me just kind of forcing what I do onto you, I might take a minute to step back and say, you know, what is it you really need, Jeff? You know, and this is how we interact in what we call a Kaizen, um, which is a continuous improvement. Um, event, if you will, under, we're a lean uh, practicing company yep. and that's where Kaizen comes from. And it's really, to boil it down, it's all about continuous improvement. So yes, there is always opportunity for improvement if you take the time to take a look. So when things aren't working, running smoothly, it's usually, let's stop here. It's, it's funny, because in this case, I say it's not about the people, now it's about the process. Because uh -huh. otherwise you got people saying, oh, you know, Jeff's not doing not his me. job, you know. Exactly, it, yeah. it's, yep, I stop right there, it's not about the, per something's not going well, let's take a look at the process first. Chances are there's something in the process we haven't identified that needs to be done differently. Might be, you know, I need to do it versus you, or it needs to happen sooner or later. Um, you know, so there's a lot of different things that can happen. And here you don't just bring the Eagle team in. This oh, is where no. you're, you're bringing folks into this process of identifying process change opportunity Yes, Eagle is not really involved at all. I mean, I, right. I kind of brought the idea to the table, brought yeah. Lean to the organization, so it's still kind of my baby and I like to be involved, uh -huh. especially because again, I'm, I'm driving operational excellence. So, yeah. but um, I actually have engaged Karen, our Director of Continuous Learning and Leadership Development, so that she can lead 
and facilitate these Kaizens. We often do it together. Um, but no, we bring everyone that's a part of the process. And actually, we also bring in what we call the outside eyes, somebody who may not be familiar with the process at all. And you might be saying, well, what do they have business? You know, what business do they have being a part of that? It's awesome to have somebody that doesn't know anything from anything because they can ask the dumb questions, yeah. quote unquote, right? Or the questions that everyone involved in the process is thinking, but nobody really wants to ask because they don't want to offend. Um, and somebody on the outside, like often I get to play the outside eyes, can say, you know, well, why are we doing that? You know right. what I mean? Or what happened there? You know, because you really don't understand it. So you're really asking innocently. So it, it has a way of bringing out um, the challenges within the process. And then we swing into action and figure out how can we resolve those challenges. So it's a great dynamic. Yeah, it seems it seems to me that if you really want engagement or commitment to to the mission, mm-hmm. um, then bringing folks into the into that process improvement uh, procedure or, or or exercise is the way to get that engagement. Right? It's a if, huge piece. If all you do is say, "Hey, the leadership team said you got to do this," right? There's no buy-in. People right. don't understand the why. Um, right? You definitely need you need again. You need people. Mm. You need people involved at every mm-hmm. turn. So again, we're not a very uh, directive organization. Where again, we want to engage. We want to ask, "What do you think?" Um, you know, and this is where again, people then also get self satisfaction from that, right? They say, "Oh, I can contribute again a little bit more than just the work that I do." Yeah. Um, so to me, it, it all it all comes together. Do you have to give people the? Um, do you have to give people permission to fail? Absolutely. That's part of our culture. It's, um, you know, make mistakes. Mistakes mm. are learning opportunities. Yeah. People don't really believe that at first, I think. They think, oh, sure, you know, when I make a mistake, I'm going to be in trouble. And I'm like, nope, you're not. Because I, I always tell people, no one has ever gotten fired over a mistake that they've made. And I've been here 20 years, so I can tell you that's the truth. Um, mistakes is how we learn, you know what I mean? If we learn from them, again, if somebody makes a repeated mistake, that's a little different, right? Right. Um, then if we make the mistakes and we say, whew, that didn't go so well. What did we learn from this and how are we gonna do things differently in the future? And we do that a lot actually in a lot of different ways from, even after we hire, a lot of times we might come around as a hiring team and say, okay, let's put the process. How, you know, how did it go? Um, sometimes it comes up later, you know, when maybe the person didn't work out and we step back and say, okay, let's go all the way back to the beginning and look at, you know, what we did from the start. What did we miss? What can we do differently next time so we can get it, get it right the next time? Yeah. Are you waiting for there to be a problem to so this idea of continuous improvement? Are you on a cadence that says we're going to regularly look at our processes, even though maybe everyone thinks things are going great, you know, and this process is working perfectly? Are you constantly challenging the status quo in that way? Absolutely, and that's one of our that's one of our sayings. Actually, is uh, preserve the core, but challenge the status quo. So, you know, you want to keep what really works, but you always want to look at what can we do differently or better. And no, actually, we have an ongoing objective every year to do a minimum of four Kaizen events a year. And what we do is we'll throw that out through Eagle. We'll say, okay, guys, New Year's coming. We're planning. You know, we get into our planning phase for the coming year. And we'll say, you know, where is there an opportunity? And sometimes I get, you know, there aren't any. I'm like, oh, well, that's not possible, you know. because in my experience, you can actually Kaizen and Kaizen the same process 
multiple times and every time you do it, you're gonna see it differently and you're gonna find a new opportunity. In fact, we have one on the table now and I said, oh my gosh, the last time we Kaizen, this was eight years ago. I went back and looked at the history. I'm like, we're probably really overdue. Overdue, yeah. Um, but it's funny how it's surfaced again to say, you know, there's some some things that just don't feel like they're, they're flowing as smoothly as we would like them to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we have a deliberate approach to this. Um, and then when somebody says, you know, we've, uh, uh, the latest aha was, you know, okay, somebody says, you know, I don't have anything I can think, think of to Kaizen in this area. So I said, all right, let's go about it a different way. Let's start by creating, just take, pick a process and we're going to map it out. There's a process mapping feature in the Kaizen. So we've said, you know, we'll take it, we'll, we'll go this route with it. We'll process map this process and see if we can identify any, you know, can you tell me that process is running perfectly? Great, no problems. Off we go. No problem. We t- now at least we've captured it. Um, I will tell you, we have not mapped out one process where we haven't found opportunities. I was going to ask that for improvement. <laughs> have you ever found the perfect process? Never. Right. There's always room for improvement. There is, because in that in that group setting, somebody will say, "Well." you know, come to think of it, you know, this isn't really kind of going all that swell or, you know, wow, I wish I got that sooner. Or, um, you know, every time I get that, it's never right. And I have to, you know, I have to push it back and now I have to wait and it might, you know, impact my deadline. Um, and you know, Oh, I didn't know, or the old, you know, I don't know. I got trained and this is how they told me to do it. And I never really thought to question it. Um, a lot of that will come up, you know, where somebody will say, you know, why am I doing this report? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. I really don't need the information anymore. So it's it's really gotten everybody in tune with, you know, in doing your best work, you only want to spend your time on the things that are going to really make a difference. You don't want to be spinning your wheels or wasting your time. Um, and sometimes we just don't take the time and the busyness of every day, right, to challenge or question when we bring people outside of their every day into a room, um, you know, over lunch, we have laughs and fun and, you know, in the, in the process, but it really opens people up to, um, you know, again, where those opportunities for improvement might be. And, oh, the thought of I can make your job better, faster, easier, who doesn't want that? Right. Uh, brings a whole lot less stress to the work. Um, you know, and that's one of the, one of the objectives of that is I want to make your job less stressful. So you can come in and just do what it is you do and be happy and productive and, you know, everything's right with the world. And how could you call yourself an organization committed to operational excellence if you don't, you have to, you have to, well, you have to walk the talk, right? You know, if you don't have a process to, to constantly challenge and, and improve and get better and do it better, then are you really committed to operational excellence? And it's kind of also, when we talk about world-class customer care, I think of Mason, you know, that's a, that's a pie in the sky objective in a way, right? It's a it's a journey. You're never really going to provide world class, but you're always striving to do that. Mm. You know, again, so always recognizing there's always going to be opportunities to do it better. Yeah. Um, you know, when you have to ebb and flow with what's going on in the in the world. Yeah. You know, for our customers, for our associates. Yeah. Uh, I want to come back to this concept of that uh, you don't have supervisors or managers; you have coaches. Um, and then you have a director of continuous learning, um, which, which is, you know, if you're going to learn, someone's going to be coaching you, right? So that, that shows a commitment to your employees that drives that engagement as well, right? Like, so again, you're putting, you're, you're walking the talk. Okay. We're committed to continuous learning. 
So we have a director of continuous learning. We have processes in place to make that happen. Um, so you've got to, so again, I come back to, you know, you've got to be training your, uh, your coaches to be coaches. Is that right? Do you, do you? Right. As a matter of fact, um, we do what we call coaches lunch and learns. Uh -huh. um, and actually I have a series going on. And oddly enough, I have one digital engaged in that because I'm working with one of your consultants um, to partner with me in the HR arena right now. And um, so we've been putting our heads together around the various topics that, um, and I just got feedback yesterday that how valuable these coaches lunch and learns have been this year. Because mm. um, again, we're hitting on, you know, if you will, hot topics, things that even coaches know they can continue to learn um, so they can do better. Mm. Um, you know, one of them is, um, you know, mental health. We'll look at that one, for example. Um, you know, and that's always a tentative area. I think people are afraid of doing the wrong thing or asking the wrong questions. So we're trying to equip our coaches with, you know, you do have a role to play, really, and you can't ignore it. Ignoring things, to, you know, won't make them go away or make them better. But you don't have to be the fixer, the fixer either. You want to find ways to support your associates in any way that they need it, um, yeah. and we have resources available. Um, so you know, just conversation like that can go a long way to support our coaches with handling the day-to-day -day. again being decentralized I'm not involved in every little thing that's going on in the organization mm -hmm. um, which again I think is better because you have more resources to throw at it if you will right it's yeah. not one person trying to do it all um, you know the old adage it takes a village right so we're all engaged and where the coaches need help they'll come and ask for help um, but we provide it proactively by, again, this ongoing continuous learning. Yeah. So whether it's a resource-driven uh, learning group through, you know, that Karen brings, or it's skill development, we use LinkedIn Learning, for example, as a tool that we have, mm -hmm. um, or these coaches lunch and learn. So we kind of come at it from a lot of different angles. Um, and actually, I think in our conversation prior, I'll bring this up now, we talked about a tool that I'm now exploring. Um, this is the fun part. I can always look at new things and say, oh, I've got the, the next new thing I want to bring. Uh -huh. That again, usually adds to, it doesn't you know, replace something, but it brings us to another level. And um, we're, uh, it's a tool that ADP actually introduced. It's called Standout. Mm -hmm. And it's a Marcus Buckingham driven um, tool used uh, to support coaches. Um, to uh, measure engagement, to drive performance improvement. So again, all the things that really make for a successful um, organization. So I'm really intrigued about the tool. In fact, I just introduced it to Eagle on Monday and um, we'll do some more exploration and see if it's the right tool for us mm -hmm. um, to bring us a complement to you know, everything that we already do to support our coaches and drive performance management, things like that. Yeah. Is, is that a tool to generate, um, is that a, a, a feedback tool? Is that, or is it to sort of generate um, it's brainstorming a, it's a little or, bit of or new everything. ideas or like, what, what is it exactly? Yeah, that tool I feel is a little bit of everything. It actually starts with an assessment that the individual takes, a short assessment that gives them a sense of, um, again, how they fit into the organization, I guess, you know, that sense of engagement. Oh, yeah. um, but then it will go into uh, 
one, the performance management, it, it helps you identify, you know, what are your most important priorities to work on this week? Um, you know, for some people that can be overwhelming, right? You have a lot of things coming yeah. at you, a lot going on, and sometimes there's so much you don't really get a lot done. Yeah. Um, and this kind of helps you to stay focused and grounded. Yep, what are the three to five things you want to work on, you know, right now that are the most important to kind of move the needle um, and continue to drive uh, supporting our corporate objectives. Uh -huh. um, but it gives visibility to the coach and, you know, also how I'm feeling. You know, so it's not just about the job, but it's also how I'm feeling right now. Um, and so you want to get out ahead of things, too. You want to know how people are feeling in their work within the organization so that you can um, have conversations to get out ahead of things before they become problems. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's that's really what that tool could help us do. So it could add. Yeah, I guess their intent is to replace um, traditional performance management tools or the traditional review process. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. I, I, at first, we'd probably bring it on as an and, um, but who knows, maybe it will morph into it. Do you yeah. still have like an annual formal performance review process? Or we, do. You do? we do, yeah. we do annual reviews and we do mid-year check-ins. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, very much around goals and objectives, but also we check in on, um, you know, the thing is we get to be fluid about it. We get to change the questions. Our, our question right now coming up for our check-in is around purpose, mm -hmm. um, which actually was generated from the culture report that I mentioned we were going through as uh, Eagle. Mm -hmm. So um, that resource gave us some, some great ideas of things that we want to, again, engage with our associates on it. Do you have processes, though, to, to you know, so outside of the annual review and the mid-year check-in, is there a continuous feedback Oh yeah. Um, well, coaches are uh, constantly connected with their people. You know, mm -hmm. besides in the day to day to work, um, you know, minimally monthly one on ones, and that that time is really for the associate to bring their agenda to the table. Yeah, I always say as a coach, I always have something on my mind. But first things first, Jeff, what's on your mind? Yeah. You know, and that's where we start with those coaching conversations. Um, and it's you know what's going well, what's not going well. It can mm -hmm. be those two questions can generate a lot of conversation. Um, you know, where, how can I help you? you know, is, is there, is the culture such that uh, the peers feel comfortable giving feedback to one another as well? We is have, that important even? Maybe oh, very it's important. Not, okay. very, you know, I mentioned communication early on. Yeah, right? that's, yeah. a, that's a huge thing. You know, if we're not talking, we're going to all be in trouble, right? So yeah. we have what we call care to communicate. Um, and again, it's care, care to communicate. Care to communicate. Yeah. It's a corporate philosophy. And though we educate people on it, I often feel like people are still hesitant. You know, again, they don't want to offend anyone or hurt feelings. But, you know, we try to say, you know what, you have if you care enough to communicate again, you can usually resolve a difference before it becomes a problem. So it's not it's you know, it doesn't mean it's a problem when you're you're care enough to kind of get out ahead of it to say, you know, that interaction that happened maybe didn't go so well. And I wanted kind of to give you, you know, my stand on it. So we're very much a feedback organization and I always say it's two way. You know, you're gonna hear a lot from us, i.e. from leaders, but we wanna hear from you as well. So mm -hmm. the door is always open and people, it doesn't stop at the coaches. You know, people have something that's on their mind and they say don't feel they get resolution through their coaching conversations. Um, doors are wide open. They can come to HR, they can talk to any member of Eagle, um, whoever you feel comfortable with, so. And they can talk to one another. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, we encourage that. So, you know, yeah. usually it's a coaching opportunity Better to say, still, let me could, help you yeah. figure out how you want to talk to Jeff. Yes, right. Um, or sometimes it's, you know, I really, from what you said, I really, it sounds like you really need to talk to Jeff. So I'm going to give you, you know, a period of time in which to do that. I'm going to come back and check in with you. And if you haven't 
done it, maybe you need me to help facilitate that conversation. And that's okay too. And that's a, a role again, uh, the Director of Continuous Learning and Leadership Development. We really work hand in hand in the HR arena and that you know people side of things. But you're always stressing that it has to be well-intentioned. That, that, that A time and a place that, for everything. The idea of caring. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Don't um, bring your emotions to it. You know, if you're feeling emotional, take a step back. Mm-hmm. Um, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Type it out. In an, I would say type it out in an email, but don't send it. That was a good that was a good practice. I learned because I'm Irish. I can have, you know, I can go quick sometimes. And I'm like, Ooh, let me, you know, of course, when you look at it the next day, it's like, yeah, maybe I'm going to change the way I, you know, start yeah, that offer. Yeah. You know, so you always have you need a minute to process right before you go. So I find that, again, it creates a much better cultural experience and that it's very positive you know everyone's really working well together Um, not to say you know there aren't those bumps in the roads or those places where things didn't go so well but Mm -hmm. we're so used to it being open an open feedback organization that um, once people get used to it again new people coming in are always like I don't know about this Um, but when they see an action and they realize it actually works um, you know just talk to people sooner rather than later don't let things fester that doesn't help yeah I happen to know that you guys have very little turnover yes. uh, at Beakley, and I think one of the goals of having a people-first culture is so that you'll be able to hire and then retain talent. Absolutely. Uh, so if an, if employee turnover is, is an issue for an organization, they want to solve that issue, would you say that they have to change the way they hire? Like, Do you hire intentionally for low turnover? Yes, we have, um, we call it a selecting winners process. Um, mm. That is what we, that, that is the overarching term we use for our hiring process. And a lot goes in up front. Um, you know, we make sure we spend time really thinking about the role. Um, people that we bring in, we, you know, as I said really early on in this conversation, it's not just about the role, it also has to be about aligning with the organizational uh, culture values. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you get that naturally, and that's something we can't train, you know, we talk about training, I really can't train you to love Beakley. Um, we have a saying, you know, um, you're either, you know, you're either going to love us or you're not, and that's okay if you don't. Um, you know, Beakley's not for everyone and everyone's not for Beakley, and we're okay with that. In fact, Mason said that to me, I think I met him in my first two weeks, Mason Beakley, the owner of Beakley Corporation, who's no longer with us. Um, but he said that and I thought, oh, I love this guy. And I love this idea that again, if you're just not having fun, go find it, what you are gonna have fun doing. You know, mm-hmm. So it's doing what you love, loving what you do is a big part of it. Um, but again, the balance is loving what you do as much as you love the organization. And you have, it really goes hand in hand. So it starts there. Um, we use hiring tools, assessments, mm-hmm. um, and that helps us to do a better job. I think, um, I believe One Digital recently adopted the predictive index. Yep. We've been using it way before I got to Beakley, so it's been in play for over 30 some odd years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that tool is great because it helps to align people with the work they're going to do. Um, and I often say, geez, they should bring this tool to, to the high school level, you know, to help young folks really understand what they might naturally want to you know be good at and hence if you're good at it you're naturally going to enjoy doing that for work right yep. so my theory there is if people are not loving their job they're probably really misaligned with the nature of what the job they're requires the job yeah right you know and that's okay you mm-hmm. know so um so that tool helps us to identify a good uh fit with the role and then we use our, our before team you hire before we hire right. yeah and then we use the team approach 
Um, so again, we engage uh, the hiring manager, uh, you know, a couple people in HR, um, other members in Eagle, and Anne LaPlante, our president and CEO, meets with every candidate, um, final candidate. Um, and she also meets with them again at the 90-day check-in. We do a 90-day check-in to say, hey, how are we doing at meeting your expectations? Because we hold ourselves accountable for that too. You know, I always say I, I can tell you a good story in a sense, right? But it isn't just a story, really. We do have everything behind it. But people come in and think, is it real? Is it possible it could be this good? Um, and, you know, we hope to hear at 90, and we often do, that it was better than expected. Um, so again, but a lot of that has to do with getting it right up front. I always, I laugh with my talent manager and I say, Jane, it starts with the hiring. Um, it's my uh, age old, you know, comment, but it does. If we get, get it right there, then we have a much greater chance of keeping people. And again, as spoken through our longevity, um, and to me, the longer you keep people, the better they get and the more they contribute yeah. and really understand the organization. Um, so we just keep getting stronger and that culture is always getting stronger because we have people with us. I think our average tenure right now is around the 12 year mark, but we have people here, you know, 40 years, myself going on 21, a lot of people in 20s and 30s. Uh, but then we have a lot of newer newer people. So again, that's nice too, because you get to bring in new perspectives. Mm -hmm. um, and to go back to, again, the culture um, check-in that we're doing now, one of my ahas, they talked about fit, not fitting in, but how can you add value to the organization? How can you bring more to um, help develop, further develop our culture? And I like, I really like that, especially in these times of, you know, diversity and inclusion. And, yeah. you know, we don't want clones by any means. We want to bring in a, a diverse group of people so that we have a lot of perspectives when we're faced with a business challenge, let's say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but on the turnover, have you always, in your 20 years at Beagley, have you ever had a turnover problem that you had to to solve or has it always been a pretty a pretty low turnover organization? Well, actually, you know, within the sales area of the organization, you know, sales is typically a pretty high turnover yeah. area, yeah. right? Um, so at one point, you know, our strategy was we were bringing in college, recent college grads. We thought, you know what, because our secret is we can train them. They don't have to come in with much. You know, they come in, they've proven they can get through college. They can come in, they can come in and learn it. We can teach it. But what we found was they were coming in bright and brilliant and they were learning it and they were doing a great job, but you might only keep them two to four years because then oftentimes it was a stepping stone. Um, and on one hand, we were okay with that. At one point we were, we said, you know what, that's okay. You know, we got our return on our investment. And then we had this aha moment. It was like, really? You know, we invest a lot in our people. I think I'd like to keep them longer than, you know, two to four years in this ongoing game of turnover. Mm -hmm. It takes its toll after a while. So at one point I said, kind of, you know, let's stop the presses. And how about we try this? I said, for a time, we're gonna focus on just hiring experienced folks. You know, people that have already been out in the world of sales. They know what they like and don't like. They know that, you know, what they're good at. Um, Actually, we drew in a lot of people that way that were in outside sales that no longer really wanted to be in outside sales. And it just so happens, um, we also attracted um, moms returning to work or moms that didn't want to work that full 40 schedule because they're also still trying to balance a family. Mm -hmm. um, and so that became um, our secret sauce, if you will, in hiring for sales. And really, right now, we have the longest tenure ever on our sales team. Um, 
and a lot of it is because I think because employing change that strategy, strategy yeah. yeah, the change in strategy, it was finding people where they were in the right time and place in their career and their life, and it really works um, with what we're asking them to do at Beagley in, in the sales organization. And it was specifically you you made a point of saying that well specific to the sales role, right? right. You know, it could be that there are other roles where hiring right out of college and, and growing. Oh, exactly. There's that person times internally that is, works is, out great. Yeah, right. You know, but and yeah. just like too, we love to promote within. Yeah. But there's also a balance to that as well. You know, at one, when I first came to Beakley, they were like, "Oh, you know, everybody had to be hired from within. We can't hire that." And I'm like, "That's not possible." And like, trust me, we're going to hire people. We're going to find them. So we did a lot of building our bench strength we needed to hire from outside you can't bring everybody up from the ranks because right. you're you know there's some limitations to that um, we've done that very well and a lot of those people are still with us today though even some of the college grads that moved out of sales and into marketing let's say into new product development um, so we have found a good balance there um, with hiring from within but knowing when we need to hire that skill and talent experience from the outside and bringing that to us. And again, often that raises the bar for all of us too. You, know, you bring in a new, someone new that has, you know, new ideas and new perspectives and it, it gives us a new outlook. Yeah. It's not foolproof though, right? This idea oh. of, 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 you know, trying before you make that offer to determine, are you gonna love it? Or are you gonna not love it? And um, don't you have to have a willingness to, to sort of admit, okay, we didn't get this one right and not, wait too long for the inevitable. Absolutely. Yeah. I always say, you know, first of all, hiring is an art, not a science. Mm -hmm. um, we're hiring people, so there's always unknowns. Um, so I always say, you know, everybody says, oh, I want one just like Jeff. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. You're going to get the next best person that we find. We're going to bring them to you. Um, because again, everybody can't be exactly the same. Um, but we really seri take serious. Yeah, you don't there. want two Jeffs, by the way. Ah! <laughs> oh, good to know. Thanks, Jeff. Um, you know, we always think we want that person who worked out perfectly, yeah. but you know, it's different every time. Yeah. But we take our, our onboarding process seriously. So again, we invest a lot of time in, in bringing people in to the, to the company, the culture, the role, their team. Um, we use the 30, 60, 90 day process to evaluate how well it's going. Um, and we ask people to do the same. We say, you know what, you're evaluating us just like we're evaluating uh, yeah. you. And it's uh, the reviews and the check-ins at that point are a two-way process. We ask you to evaluate your own performance and we evaluate your performance. We come around and we talk about, you know, what's going well, what's not, where do we need to go from here? Um, and sometimes we do have to make the tough decision that it's just not working out. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, again, something that I always admired um, early on that we're not afraid to do that. And I think it is important um, to maintaining the great organization that we have is mm -hmm. knowing when, you know, it's just not working out, whether you've been here 20 years and it's not working out or you just got here and it's not working out. Well, then you get the people who leave voluntarily. like Of course. And, uh, and realize, geez, you know, I mean, like, has that happened as well? Folks that, um, that leave and say, you know what, that was a bad choice, I'd like to come back. Absolutely. Um, one actually, uh, Renee comes to mind who works with us now in HR. She's an HR partner. When I first came to Beakley, she was in medical sales. She left to go do an out to take on an outside sales role, wanted to try her hand at outside sales, and she was good at it, but 
not long after that said, Ooh, being on that road all the time, much as she's a road warrior, she realized it wasn't really what she wanted to continue to do. So when she approached us to come back, we did not have an opening in medical sales. So actually she came back into our custom products division in the sales department. Yeah. Um, and then left to go on what we call the mommy track. She then started, got married and started her family and left the workforce altogether for a while. And um, we said, you know, we're always gonna keep you in mind though, cause she was a, a great fit, if you will, with the company culture, et cetera, did great work. Um, and then um, the timing was right when her children were a bit older and I needed to add to the HR department and uh, we reconnected and I've lost track now of how long she's been back, but it's been quite a while already. And she does, again, a fantastic job and has such a, a broad experience that she's bringing to the table, um, having been in different roles in different times and you know has seen the growth and the evolution of Beakley as a company. So um, she's definitely a big success story. Do you, which, I mean, I, what a great indicator that you're doing something right when somebody does leave and, and then says, I want, I want to come back. I think, you know, uh, there's something good is happening there. Do you pay attention at all to like reviews on Glassdoor and stuff like that? Or, or are you really just hyper-focused on let's just, let's just work on us and create this people first environment and maintain this culture. And if we do that, it will all be good. I mean, you have to take those with a grain of salt, right? Because not everybody ends up being a great fit or finds Beakley a good fit for them. And that's their experience and yeah. that's okay. Everyone has their own experiences. So I find for the most part, people are fair with those reviews, but sometimes you'll get someone that, you know, maybe we made the tough decision and so they went away mad hmm. and that's understandable. Hmm. Um, you know, the flip side of that, I've had people that we had to part ways with and I'm like, really trust me, this is not the end of the world. We're we're making the right decision, you're gonna find something even better for yourself. And they come back, the best part is when they come back and say, thank you, you were right. I really wasn't in the right role here. I needed to, to go and find my way. And um, you know, had you not made that tough decision for me, I might've stayed in that role. I really wasn't enjoying a lot longer than I should have. So I found it both ways. So yeah, so when we you know, look at those reviews, that's again, grain of salt, yeah. um, but we just continue to work on, you know, doing the best that we can do to create a great organization, a great place to work. Uh -huh. um, and I think that it speaks for itself. Yeah. It seems like the, the bottom line message is if you really focus on your employee experience, then that's going to drive the, the engagement, the commitment, and uh, your employees will be focused on the customer experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did we miss anything, Maureen? Anything you want to talk about today that we that we haven't covered? Let me think. Uh, no, I think we hit it all, Jeff, really. Yeah. From I'm not gonna let you go yet, though. Uh-oh. <laughs> some rapid we, fire, we, we uh, some rapid what do we fire have? questions. Oh, you no. may have, so, wow, you might have listened to the podcast. No, you're surprising you know me, uh-oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you ready for some rapid fire questions? We wanna get to know you a little bit better personally, so this will help us do that. All right. All right, would you prefer to do laundry or dishes? Laundry. Should the toilet paper roll go over or under? Absolutely over. Kayla, everyone's saying over. I don't get it. It makes more sense, uh, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> Favorite TV show that you're currently binging? Oh, I'm not really. Um, what did we just finish on Netflix? 
minutes. Sorry, that's how important it is. No. Well, I, it's probably a good thing that you're not binging a TV sh a TV show. Did a little bit of that through COVID, but generally I'm not a huge TV watcher. Yeah, yeah um, okay. Uh, we will not hold that against you by any means. Thanks. Maureen, if you won the lottery tomorrow, and we'll say it's a big lottery, it's a Powerball, it's a big win, uh, what, what's the first thing you do? Hmm. Prepare for my retirement. It's coming closer than I'd like to think, um, but I can't ever envision myself not being engaged in some way with, um, I really love what I do. I love working with people. I love working with organizations. Um, again, the process improvements. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, paving the way for Beakley to continue on and figure out how I can continue to work with Beakley, but also maybe with some other organizations. But I love to travel, so I'd have to get a lot more of that in. So I need more, you know, a little more time and flexibility to do that. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, always trying to strike a balance there. And finally, our theme at One Digital this year in 2021 is rise. We went through a lot in 2020 and even the first part of 2021. It's been a rough, you know, 14, 16 months. Um, what are you going to do in 2021 to rise? Personally or professionally or either, within the organization? Either one, whatever, whatever you decide. You know, I feel like um, we had a lot of time to reflect last year. So always working on myself personally, you know, how I can be a better human being, um, you know, better mother, better spouse, um, better at the work I do, better listener. Um, I'm a big talker, so I always got to work on the listening aspect of communication. Um, within the organization, again, doing more of what works, doing less of what doesn't. I mean, we're looking at things that we thought we could never let go of before COVID, and now we realize they're not so important anymore, and we can move on without those things and be an even better organization. Yeah. So, you know, always looking to do, you know, to do more of what works and bring in some new things. I mean, that always excites me is being able to bring in the next new thing that could, again, continue to build upon what we already have. Awesome. Uh, Maureen, thanks again for joining us today. It was a great conversation. And to everybody who's listening, we always appreciate when you tune in. This has been yet another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits. Mm -hmm.